We hope you enjoy this message and that it encourages and inspires you. For more information, head to lifepointwithane.org.au. Hey, isn't it a great opportunity for us to um, do Christmas at LifePoint this year? What a special opportunity it is to bring a message of hope to so many people that need a message of hope. Do you find at times that you need a message of hope? Do you enjoy encouragement when someone encourages you about something? I think this year people are so much in need of encouragement. It's great to be able to encourage them. I trust today as we look at the Word, we're continuing <clears throat> from our series from last week as we looked at the spies going to the Promised Land and just the circumstances about what they thought was so wrong and sometimes in our lives what we think is so wrong. I'm going to move that across to sometimes our opinions can be so wrong. And I really want God to meet with us today. It's a bit deep, a bit challenging. It's about our hearts but I really need the Holy Spirit to speak to us because I really feel this is our message for the moment. Lord, I invite you to speak to us. We are children of an amazing King. I ask, Lord, that you'd open up our hearts. I pray, Holy Spirit, just soften our hearts, every single one of us today. Today as we'd walk out of this place that we'd feel that the Spirit has put a deposit of life into our hearts. So I pray, Lord, come Holy Spirit, fall afresh on us. Amen. I want to start with the book of Hebrews. There's just one line that it says in Hebrews 3.15 says, Today when you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. When you hear God's voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when it rebelled. You know, there's a generation that was robbed of God's blessing because people's hearts weren't where they used to be or they should have been. The story starts in Egypt when we got God's people trying to get out of Egypt. Moses leads them out of Egypt. They come to the Red Sea. They cross the Red Sea on dry ground. God deals with the army that's chasing them, drowns them all. They get there and they're in the wilderness and they're on the way to the Promised Land. They get to the Jordan River and there at the Jordan River, some stuff just goes terribly wrong. Have you ever been in a position in your life when you're on a journey and all of a sudden stuff goes terribly wrong? This is what happened to them. Now, Scripture says when they were there at the Jordan River, Moses was to send the spies in the promised land. Now, listen to what he asked them to do. He said, have a look at the land. See whether the people who live in the land are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or is it bad? What kind of towns are they living in? Are they walled or are they fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees or are there not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the lamb because it was the season of ripe grapes. So they went and explored the lamb. So that's what Moses was asking them to do because God told him to ask them those things. God needed answers for those things. 
So at the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. And in Numbers 13.30, this is the response. Now, remember what they asked. Now listen to the response. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. And the other 10 spies spread amongst the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, we can't attack these people. That was their opinion. They are stronger than we are. The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there were of great size. We saw giants there. We seemed like grasshoppers in their eyes and we looked the same to them. They didn't answer the question. They gave their opinion to all the people standing in front of them. Their opinion was, I don't have faith that God can get me through this. Even though He's promised us the promised land, I don't think we are good enough, big enough or strong enough to take on the promised land. When after all this, God had said before that this is your land, this is your promised land, go and take it. They decided by their opinion, they can't do it. And God was not pleased. And I want to talk about God not being pleased when He had promised, He'd equipped, He'd called, and the people stepped back. How often in our own lives does God call us to step out? He steps, wants us to step out because it's going to take faith. It's going to take a focus on Him and not me. It's going to take time. It's going to take effort. So God calls us to step out and demonstrate faith. And how often do we start to step out? The devil just has to throw one thing in our way and we say, God, it's too hard. And we step back. I think we all know what I'm speaking about. Well, because of the lack of their faith, look what happened. In verse 26, the Lord said, to Moses and Aaron. How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard the complaints to these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. In this wilderness, your bodies shall fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, will be counted in the census who had grumbled against me. Not one of you will enter the land I swore an uplifted hand to make it your home, except Caleb and Jacob. As for your children that you said would be taken in plunder, I will bring them in to enjoy the land that you have rejected. God doesn't like it when there's a lack of faith because it brings God down and makes Him puny and small. And our God is not puny and small. Our God is all-powerful and almighty. And he was so disappointed. The worry was that if we go and conquer the land, our kids are going to be killed. And God is saying, because of your lack of faith, yep, this generation is going to be destroyed, but I'll raise up your kids because trust me, I'm the one that looks after your kids. God had had displayed His faithfulness in so many ways. God's grace was beyond extraordinary because they were former, former slaves. He delivered them from slavery. He walked these people 
out of the country. He parted the Red Sea. He destroyed Pharaoh's army. He led them day and night through the wilderness, fed them morning and evening. He entered into a covenant with them to be their God. He promised them a land flowing with milk and honey. And on we go. God had been faithful. And God always is faithful. There's absolutely no one that can question the faithfulness of God. But at this point in Scripture, and be great not to preach this, but it's in the Word. At this point in Scripture, I wanna say, God's grace and patience ran out. Now, it'd be great to avoid this and not have to speak about it. But the more I read about this, the more I see there is a point where God's patience starts to fail when people start to doubt how great and how powerful and how mighty He is. Now, if we go to the New Testament, we see that Paul says, um, love keeps no records of wrongs. He says, cast your sin into the deepest sea and God will remember it no more. Moses calls out in prayer and said, God, in your great love, forgive the sin of these people just as you've pardoned them from the time that they've left Egypt. God forgave and He forgave and He forgave. This is not a thing about forgiveness. God always forgives and always will. And in Jesus, He always forgives our sin. But here, these people were just presuming on God's grace and God's patience. We can have our opinion on what we think, but their opinion hindered all that God wanted to do. And no one steps in the way of Almighty God. Now, let me explain it like this. Many years ago, I had a difficult working relationship with someone I had to work with very close. Now, time and time again, they did stuff. And I had to keep keep forgiving, forgiving, forgiving. And I kept forgiving. I used to hit the reset button and say, God, wipe it clean in my heart. Can we start again? Fresh. So I started along the lines. Yep, it's all about me. Forgive. Let's walk together. Let's journey together. And I kept forgiving and I kept hitting the reset button as though it had never happened. But it got to a point where I decided I can no longer hit the reset button because I go back to square one and don't remember anything that had happened. So I learned, yes, forgiveness 100%. To hit the reset button and go back in and don't have another plan or another purpose or another way of dealing with the situation become absolute stupidity. So rather than hit the reset button, I asked God to give me the grace and the strength to change, to be the person that He wanted me to be in this journey. And so often in life, what happens is we just think we have to keep hitting the reset button as long as we forgive and just keep starting again and again and again. And sometimes in the journey, when there is things like addictions and abusive behaviour, there's got to be a point where we no longer hit the, the reset button. We forgive, we forget, we don't hold anything against someone, but we start to learn new ways of dealing with the circumstances. This is what God was doing with His people. He realised if He kept walking with them and they didn't start to learn responsibility, if they didn't start to learn that faith costs at times, they're never going to grow and 
enough to get into the promised land and fight the battles they needed to fight. If God sent them into the promised land with their attitudes they had right then, they'd get into the promised land and they would be defeated because they didn't have the character to really support the calling that God had put on their lives. And we've got to make sure God builds our character for the circumstances and the situations and the challenges that come our way. And as God works in our character, He gets us ready so we're strong enough and faithful enough to push through into the future. But what happens quite often, just like these people, when God is working on our character, we give up. And we go back to the wilderness and we say it's easier not to push forward. It's easier not to step out in faith. It's easier not to position myself to be hurt again. I want to stay back here where it's safe. And we never ever develop the character to step up to be the person that God really expects us to be for what He has called us to do. There's a word they use and that's contempt. Contempt happens in our hearts. Contempt is a sense of um, crystallised disrespect. Contempt is a hallmark of the expression of a hardened heart. Contempt can be forgiven and it must be, but it can't always be tolerated. When hearts are hard and hearts are aggressive, it cannot be tolerated. Now this is quite sobering. Let's read a bit more from Numbers 14. But as for you, your bodies will fall in this wilderness. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lie in the wilderness. For 40 years, one year for each of the 40 years you explored the land, you will suffer from your sins and know what it is like to have me sin against you. I, the Lord, have spoken and I will surely do these things to this whole wicked community which has banded together against me they will meet their end in this wilderness and they shall die. Imagine how God felt having to say that. But God had to say that because that was His only way to save a nation and reset this nation so it can step up to be the people that God called it to be. And sometimes in our lives, in our journeys, God has to push the reset button to make us open our eyes wide and just see that we have been taking God for granted. We just expect God to turn up with the next car park. We just expect God to provide financially. We just expect God to look after my body even though I'm pushing it beyond what it needs to be pushed. And somewhere along the line, God hits reset. And when he hits reset, and that could be in a relationship or a friendship or a family or whatever, when he hits reset, he's saying, I want to take your heart that's got hard and I want to soften it. And to do that, we've got to do this journey again. That's what he said to these people. We've got to do this journey again. You see, life is not a game. It's not a game. It's about trusting God. It's about leaning to God. It's about learning the lessons well. Let me explain. As a kid, as a kid, I was a three-year-old, about the same age as my um, grandson, Kaidan. And we, I went shopping with my mum. We were going in one of the chain stores. It's a bit like um, Kmart these days. And I was going along and I asked mum, there's a little plastic um, baby doll. And I wanted this plastic baby doll. It was only this big. And I said, mum, can I have this plastic baby doll? And she said, no. 
I didn't like it because I was a sinner at three years old. <laughs> I was a filthy, rotten sinner and I was gonna get my way. How does it happen? It's just in us from the very moment we're born. But I was gonna get my way. So when she wasn't looking, I put my hand over and grabbed this plastic little doll, which was probably worth one cent back then, and took it home. And all the way home, the bus I had in my pocket and something in my heart just churned and churned and churned at the age of three to let me know, Phil, you're sinning. You're doing something wrong. There's just something. So we got off the bus. It was half an hour trip on the bus to home. Got off the bus and I said, oh, Mum, look what I've got. I thought it was safe by the time we'd got home. I thought half an hour's journey on the bus was safe and I'll finally have my way. Do you ever hope that with God? Do you ever pray those things that God say, God, I just hope I have my way? There's something in us that we want our way. And do you know what mum did? She grabbed me by the arm, she turned around and we got back on the bus. We sat on the bus for the next half an hour. We went back to that chain store and she stood there in the front of the counter and she said, Philip, it was always Philip when I'd done something wrong. Philip, you go up and you apologise to that lady and you give that doll back. Oh man, that hurts. Man, that hurts. And as I handed it back, the lady started to say, it's okay. And behind me, my mother saying, it's not okay. It's not right because he has done something wrong. He's stolen and he needs to learn not to steal now or later in life, he will continue to steal. And you know, from that day, I have never stolen anything because I'll never forget the message that I learned when my hardened heart at three was found out and was transformed. And God does that. That's what God is trying to do to the people of Israel. It sounds harsh. It sounds hard. It sounds, God, where is your love? But I wanna say, there's a loving God when He'll push to this extent for the sake of a nation, for the sake of the world. How powerful, how amazing. You know, we've got to realise, despised by the words they spoke, had the power to build or break a nation, to honour or dishonour God, and they dishonoured God and they broke a nation. So we carry around in us the words of life or death, honouring and cursing. And sometimes we don't realise the depth that we carry these words and the importance to keep carrying these words. Our words have a great weight. James talks about the tongue being a very small part of your body, but man, it's powerful. It is absolutely powerful. The greatest thing we can do is to speak out words of hope and words of encouragement, to speak the truth in love. Yep, don't lie, speak the truth in love and that makes an incredible difference. If these spies spoke the truth out and not their opinion, it would have been a whole different scenario. How often do we put our opinion on something and interpret that's what God is saying? That's exactly what they did and God was not happy. Just be careful about our opinion on God's Word and what it's saying. God's Word is God's Word. It will never change. We aren't put in judgment over God's Word. We are put in judgment under God's Word. 
And if you think you are better in any way, shape or form and think your opinion about God's Word is better than what He said, well, try creating another universe. Try creating the sun and the stars and the moon and see how close you come to the power of Almighty God when He spoke the Word, when He wrote it to us. It was ultimate, it was there and that's what we stand on right here, right now, today. He says, do not harden your heart because a hard heart comes from a broken heart. And this is a journey a lot of us don't understand. But hard hearts don't just happen. They usually come because somewhere your heart's been broken. And when your heart gets broken, you don't know how to deal with it and what to do with it. And because you've got a broken heart, what happens is to protect that broken heart, you build barriers around your heart. You build layers around your heart. You keep people away. You keep their opinions away. You keep their thoughts away from your heart. And you protect your heart because it's been broken. It's been hurt. Has anyone not had a broken heart? Has anyone not been hurt by the words of people who just have spoken their opinion over you and they haven't spoken truth over you? And you've taken the opinion as truth rather than realise it's only their opinion. It's not what truth is all about. And when we have a broken heart, we put ourselves in a prison and we keep everybody outside. And our broken heart as we push people away becomes a hard heart. And we don't know it's becoming a hard heart because we're so so working so hard to protect our heart and keep a barrier so it never gets hurt again. So we've got this heart stuck in here with all these barriers around it and we think we're doing ourselves a, a, a justice when really we're doing an injustice because we're making ourselves alone and isolated and we're pushing everybody else away and our heart starts to die and gets hard. And as our heart gets hard, it's not just getting hard against other people, our heart is getting hard to God. And then God is trying to lead us and guide us and saying, I need you to hear what I'm saying. I need you to have faith to get back into the promised land, to get out of the wilderness of loneliness, to get out of the wilderness of being isolated, to get out of the wilderness of being rejected, to get out of the wilderness of thinking no one really loves me or sees me who I am. You've got to get out of the wilderness. And to do that, it means that this hard heart has got to be broken once again. So in the first place, a hard heart, a, bro- a, a, a broken heart is broken because of pain and hurt, and we all know that. Then we harden up, and we don't realise it lies we've hardened up. But if you're not hearing God like you used to hear Him, if you don't enjoy worshiping in His presence, if you don't enjoy spending time with Him, maybe the problem is your heart is hardened. Maybe because you put these barriers up because you want to protect yourself, but in reality you're hurting yourself. And what God is trying to do, and what God tried to do to these people, He had to break their hearts again so they can be softened and hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Hard hearts hurt other people. Hard hearts hurt God. The symptoms of a hard heart is a critical spirit, is a defensive posture, is pride, is my opinion counts, 
where we put our opinion on everything else and we even uplift it bigger than what God would be saying. It's not about our opinion. It's about what God wants. Steve shared that beautifully. And thank you for sharing that, Steve, about the prayer room, his opinion on the prayer room. And yet God turned up. And sometimes we have opinion on life and our journey and circumstances around us and opinion on other people. But when we put our opinion down and we start to let our hearts break again in the presence of God, there's a softness, there's a gentleness and we see what the Spirit of God is doing. God wasn't terrible when that generation finished. God was absolutely loving because he gave the kids of that generation a chance for them to raise up to be the people that he wanted to be. And they went in and they conquered that land like you could never imagine because they had a fresh start. And that's what God wants to do with us. I believe at this time, the midst of COVID, the midst of Christmas coming, the midst of everyone's got questions, everyone's got doubts, and we can start to look at these and put opinions on this. And yet we're all putting opinions somewhere on something, get my drift at the moment. We've all got opinion about what the way forward is. We've all got an opinion on some area in some way. But if we keep focusing on our opinions, it's just our opinions. It's not God's plan and God's purpose. And God's plan and God's purpose for you and me is for us to be one. His plan and purpose is He wants to see the church shine now. He wants to see it lift up. He wants it to see it step up in the midst of what is going on. He said there's a way forward that no one knows but God and He wants the church to step into it. He wants you to personally step into it. He wants me to personally step into it. He wants us to be hearing God so that as we move into the next year, whatever's gonna happen, that the church is ready and that we're not gonna hide back in our homes, but we're ready to step out because we've got a message of faith, we've got a message of hope and we've got an amazing God who's going to see us through. And that's what happened. That's what happened as these people went to the promised land. The first thing they had to conquer was Jericho, the biggest fortified city, and they only conquered it by faith. Faith. And as we move forward, guys, let's talk faith. Let's not criticise one another. Let's not listen to other, each other's opinions because we're never ever going to agree on all this stuff that's moving forward at the moment. We're never ever going to agree. Don't try to agree, but let's declare unity and the oneness of the Spirit as we move forward. God's promise, I believe, for us today, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, He wants to say, but you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvellous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you did not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let's walk in God's mercy. Let's walk in God's grace. Let's put our opinions down. Let's lean into God and say, God, by faith, we're gonna step forward into your preferred future. 
as we move through Christmas at Life Point, God, I'm believing you that hearts are gonna be touched. I'm believing you, God, that heart and hearts have got nowhere else to go are gonna start running to God because God has got the answer. That as we step out and we show our faith by being out there, by loving on our community, the response will be, why do you do this? Him. It's not about me. It's about Him. That is the absolute message of grace. And just one last point. I've been watching The Amazing Race. Now, it's run probably 12 months ago, but I've been watching it on um, a replay. And I've enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And I finally got to the end. And at the end afterwards, they interviewed some of the teams. Amazing Race is where teams run all the way around Australia over a period of time. And they've got obstacles and things they have to push through no matter what. And the best team that pushes through all these obstacles and gets to the end after 20 days is the winner. And the reason that the teams got there was simply because the other person on the team, when they saw one of the team members gonna give up, they started to encourage them. They started to speak words of life and words of hope into them. There's one particular challenge. Man, I couldn't do this. It was this um, walk bridge with, um, yeah, with um, steps about this far apart over this massive, massive cliff. And they had to walk across and hold on to a rope at the top. One guy, he got out about five steps. And he said, I just cannot do this. I am afraid of heights. I just cannot do it. And his mate said, yes, you can. Yes, you can take another step, take another step. He said, I can't, I'm finished. I just can't do this. And he started to turn around. And his mate said, I believe in you. I believe in you. You can do all I'm asking you to do is take one more step. I'm just saying, you're my mate, take one more step. And he took one more step. And he said, I can't do it. He said, just one more step. Think of your kids, think of your wife, just one more step. And he took one more step. And it was shaking and his knees were shaking and, the, and my heart was thumping. And his mate just kept encouraging one step at a time until he got to the other side and they won the race. Why? Not because they were the best team. They won the race because they learned if you encourage other people, you're gonna get the best out of them. And I want to encourage you this morning that God has created you, you. Be proud of who you are. Be full in who you are. That God has created you and plonked you on this planet for such a time as this. You're here right now. You're here, God's got a plan, God's got a purpose. Just put faith, don't, don't take faith off the wheel, but let's put faith back onto the wheel and God, every place I stand, every place I, I, I steer, God, by faith, you're gonna make a difference. Can I ask you to stand? I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray that you have faith today. And as I'm praying for you, I wanna pray right across this world because today is the International Day of Prayer for the persecuted church and the people that are being persecuted and they need to hear this message of encouragement. We need to encourage, we need to pray, we need to lift up. So this morning, I invite you, if you are willing to give your heart afresh to God, it's been hard, it's been hurt, it's been broken the hard way,
It's been hardened. And God, now I need to break it, break it the soft way. I just ask you to hold your hands up before God. If you're online, I just invite you right where you are to hold your hands up before God because God sees you. But God's looking for people who are willing to have hearts that are soft, hearts that are open before Him, hearts that are gonna say, God, I'm gonna do this your way and I'm gonna do it the faith-filled way and I'm gonna do it in the power of God. So Lord, today, I pray for every single person with with their hands before You and hearts before You. And God, for those who still haven't got to that place, I, I pray, Father, that You'd fill us afresh with Your Holy Spirit, that there'll be a sense of encouragement and joy on the journey once again, that barriers will be broken down, that hardness will be smashed, that the power of God will be seen again in softness and gentleness and encouragement. And God, as we pray for our nation today, as we pray for the persecuted church, Lord, I pray that You just pour out Your Spirit where there's persecution, where there's atrocities and pain. I just pray, God, would You raise Your church with power and authority. May they know Your grace and Your incredible sense of Your power. Lord, as we pray for one another, we ask that we would know a closeness of God, Lord, just at this time. We think of Dawn Doonan in hospital and at the end of her life, Lord, may she know Your grace right now and may You just come and meet her, Lord, right where she is. As we pray for Ross Thompson with, um, yeah, the surgery tomorrow, God, I just really pray Your healing and Your wholeness. As we pray for one another, we pray, God, let Your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven because God, you've come to set us free. You've come to change us. All of heaven has come down to earth and we receive that now, Lord. And we wanna say thank you. We bless you for all that you're gonna do. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Amen. Let's declare these words.